Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. Today we're recapping and discussing episode two of the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show. Long time no see. Just kidding. We are putting out these episodes at the same time. I mean, I guess for anyone like listening uh, later down the line or who doesn't watch the episodes back to back like a crazy person, then uh, y'all can take your time. But the rest of us are binging this show. So, so here we as are. As fast as we can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this episode was fun. I think if you saw, mm-hmm. uh, listened to the last um episode of the pod we were talking about how they got better as the episodes went on and I really liked this one the pacing of it was good mm-hmm. I think I had finally accepted that there were going to be changes and it was just <laughs> it was fun to see camp we got to see the first glimpse of camp and see Percy kind of like settle in a little bit um pretty cool idea mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved getting to see camp like so much better than, I mean, what we saw in the movie, which I know the bar was so low with the movie, but getting to like actually see the the camp like imagined onto the screen and is so cool. I wish I could just like run around there and hang out on set. Ugh. Which is like the main point, it's right? Wonderful. Like Harry Potter, yeah. all of those like fantasy books and movies they want to draw kids in and want to make them live in that world and Mm -hmm. besides camp Percy Jackson's world is very violent you don't really want to live in that world they don't have cell phones they don't have a stable home (laughs) they have all have parental issues so camp Uh is the one thing that is drawing these kids in so it has to be done well Yeah, and I think they've done a good job with, like, bringing that to life and making it seem very, like, a safe space, despite Percy being bullied, actively bullied by Clarice, like, overall, you know, immediately bullied and targeted. (laughs) That was pretty funny because she just, like, is on site. Percy just walks in and it's, like, very reminiscent of Nancy Boba Fett where she just like is also while we were watching it I was like why are all these women attacking Percy (laughs) he's just got one of these faces that (laughs) women hate him (laughs) (laughs) except later on women love him you know yeah I think he had to grow into it he's just reeking of being a mama's boy but then that became attractive when they got older that's true yeah (laughs) Plus, like a sassy little twerp, even in the first book, as he's just arriving at camp and doesn't know what's going on, he's still like, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't kill the Minotaur. Like, I killed the Minotaur. I did that. Yeah. Very sassy. And I love that for him. Do you want me to lie to make you feel better? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, he's not going to do that. So also this aligns with chapters about like five through nine of the book. And so that was, I think that was episodes, our episodes three and four of the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Which is kind of cool. Ending point episode, episode four. So it's fun to go back to those notes and see our thought process. It's quite funny, actually. Yeah thought process lack thereof you know (laughs) mostly that yeah (laughs) yeah all right a summary of the episode from disney plus percy grapples with his mother's sacrifice and tries to fit in as he navigates friends and bullies at camp half-blood a safe haven for demigods like him he tries honing skills to discover his place and a game of capture the flag sets into motion an unveiling of percy's parentage revealing a dangerous legacy he can't ignore Love these long ass sentences. Yeah, that was two sentences. Going. (laughs) I'm like, when do I commas? Wow. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, we have a lot happen. I realize a lot happens. I watched this a second time and I was like, oh, like a lot happens. Like I totally forgot some scenes, even just like the first time. Or I'm like, wow. They jam-packed a lot into this one. But it was one of the longer ones. So for that I'm glad. 
I, it was so funny because we were planning on only watching the first episode and the first episode yeah. ended up being about 37 minutes, which is almost 40 minutes, just, you know, longer, but we were like, that's so yeah. short. And also we were yeah. eating good pizza and got caught into it. So we watched the second episode. I still have not watched, so we got the first four episodes. I've been out of town and haven't been able to like proper, I want to properly sit and watch it. The last mm-hmm. two episodes that we have. So that's they're good. I watched them like a crazy person. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're good. I'm excited to talk about those ones too, and for everyone to get to see them and get caught up, caught up to me. And okay, so we start this episode. We get the iconic scene of Percy waking up in camp, and he's kind of like. Well, we get like a glimpse of him being in and out of sleep and he sees Annabeth standing there. This is the first shot that we get of her. And she says the iconic, you drool in your sleep line, which I'm so glad they included in the show. And you pointed out when he wakes up a little bit later that he actually is drooling. I didn't notice it, but I was like, that's Uh adorable. I always imagined that she said that because... She was just being mean and she was like staring at him. So she wanted to explain why she was staring at him. But it's more hilarious that her like socially awkward ass was just pointing out uh-huh. something you don't point out. Yeah, I like that read of it too. Like she just has no filter and she's just saying it. <laughs> something that we are missing in this episode is Argus. Yeah, I real I didn't even realize that. And then I saw people talking about it on Twitter on how he like they didn't cast him. There's no Argus in this first season. I wonder if they will ever cast him. They get rid of him completely. I don't know. Honestly, I don't have an attachment to him, to be honest. <laughs> no, he's kind of the chauffeur. I mean, it is nice that there's maybe a third adult at camp. Mm-hmm. And that is a nice idea, especially because like these two are quite incompetent, but maybe they were like, okay, two <laughs> is enough for all these hundreds of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point because he's in the room when Percy wakes up, isn't he? And kind of like freaks Percy out in the book. Yes. Because of the eyes situation. Yeah. yeah. And then he passed out again. Yeah. 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 Okay. So in the show, we then have Percy wakes up, Grover's there and like kind of filling him in. Like this is like you're at camp. Um, He does. He also asks Grover, like, did you see what happened to my mom? Almost like Percy's like trying to be like, did I dream that? Maybe that Mm -hmm. didn't happen. And Grover confirms he did see it. So that really sours Percy's mood because he remembers that his mom, from all he knows at that point, his mom died. And it's, it's pretty devastating because, you know, that's his one person. And we talked about that a little bit in the last episode of how important that relationship is for making you believe that Percy would do anything to get his mom back. And you kind of see that mm-hmm. here in his absolute devastation. Mm-hmm. In that devastation, it like motivates him to be a little persassy. Persassy comes out where he's like, I'm going to go find my dad. <laughs> Give him peace of my mind. I'm going to just waltz into camp and find father. (laughs) He's like, if I make enough noise about, like, because he's like, this is a god that we're supposedly dealing with. If I make enough noise, make him notice me, then he can finally, maybe he can help me get my mom or bring her back or, you know, answer Mm -hmm. some of his questions. And it's funny because you can see Grover and everyone he says this to's reaction is basically like they've all had this thought because they're all been screaming mm-hmm. at the gods for attention and not getting it. And they don't think he's going to get anything. Mm. They've been there, but he's like, you know, it's a canon event. They have to allow him to go through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Grover's kind of like, mm, maybe you shouldn't, but also yeah. I have to let you do this. So we go to the big house and we meet Mr. D mm-hmm. and Chiron. The, the entrance of Chiron was my favorite. But it, before we have to talk about Mr. D, because you were delighted. Oh. I am delighted. Jason Manzucas is such a good Mr. D. Um, it's not how I originally envisioned Mr. D. Mm-mm. Like physically, he, the way he's described in the books is different, but the way that he's embodying that character is so wonderful. Like just like being such a dick. And he's immediately like, 
I'm your dad. He wants to play with Percy a little bit because I liked mm-hmm. the explanation of like demigods can do things for gods that gods themselves are forbidden to do. So he tries to get mm. Percy to bring him alcohol because he's like, I am your father. Mm-hmm. And we can bond and talk if you go get me a bottle of wine. And mm-hmm. Percy's about to do it too. He's really annoyed because he's like, my mom's yeah. dead. The person you like, you know, had a child with and you don't even care. You only care about wine. But, um, and Grover's not trying to interrupt at all and say, uh-huh. he, he's trying a little bit, but he's not really putting his heart into it. He's kind of wants to see what will happen, I think. Yeah. I think he's a little scared of Mr. D too, which, which is like fair. valid. <laughs> I think we had talked about it previously, but for both of us, I think we imagined Mr. D to be like a Jack Black kind of character. Yeah. Danny like DeVito is Danny DeVito. also in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, thinking, I guess I would love it. I know the age doesn't make sense, but like Jack Black as Apollo would be so funny. Like I know that doesn't make any sense, but these random bursting of songs and if he pulls out a saxophone and just plays it. (laughs) He would definitely be ready for all the instruments. That would be hilarious. Unfortunately, he has to be a 16-year-old kid, so that makes it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But I hope whoever, if mm-hmm. they do Apollo, um, it is, and they do Apollo as Lester, he embodies a Jack Black kind of character. <laughs> yeah. That's not for Lester, and it's not for a while, though. No, I, sorry, yeah. I got distracted. <laughs> got some time. We're stuck in Trials of Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I did love uh, Jason Matsukas as Mr. D. I think he ha- takes has a really fun take on the character being an asshole, but he still has a lot of really funny lines. He also is a little bit more sincere than I thought he would play. I thought he would be like mm. his Brooklyn Nine-Nine character that's completely unhinged, <laughs> or his Parks and Rec character who is just like the worst human on the planet. But he does have like mm. a little bit of like a an authoritative maybe a bit more responsible sure. vibe to him that I was than I was expecting. It's minimal. Like it's the yeah. bare minimum. But it still gives the vibe of like this man is a father to some. So Yeah. <laughs> to like two children at yeah. camp. <laughs> Nobody else. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right. So when Kyron walks in, it's hilarious because Percy Walker is just he just he's stunned because that's his like English teacher walking in as a horse. (laughs) He's like, you're a horse. (laughs) And it's just like this moment of like, supposed to be, wow, grandose. And Walker's is like, Mm -hmm. are you serious right now? I love that take of it. I'm just (laughs) like being so overwhelmed by the information that's been dumped in your lap. And then they, mm-hmm. this thing has to come in front of you. You're like, I have to now process this as well. Like, are you kidding me? Like, why do you have a horse butt? <laughs> <laughs> I did love um, this interpretation. They did a really great job of uh, creating Chiron. And I wanted to play mm-hmm. uh, Jeff White's um, talk about how they created Chiron in VFX just a little bit. Yeah. Of um, it was very clever. We talked about it a bit in the bonus, but I wanted him to speak on it himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chiron was a great example. Uh, I think it's v- traditionally in visual effects, and I and I have done this before in the past. Um, we've done uh, the actor sort of walking on, you know, a, a set of boxes that kind of gets them at the right height, and then we attach the horse body to that. And just from doing that in the past, I know that it never looks quite right. And in particular, to to get a horse to look photorealistic with all the quadruped animation is very, very difficult. So early on, uh, Eric and I did a test and both agreed that, hey, we were going to change the approach on this show. And for the entire show, we had the actor who plays Chiron, uh, Glenn, actually on a horse for all of his scenes. And while that provided some additional challenges in terms of, you know, painting out the head of the horse and and essentially extracting Glenn from the shots and moving him forward to make the right connections, in at the end of the day, all of that was worth it because we always had very, very realistic 
uh, horse movement and and dynamics. And then Glenn's movement always felt very connected uh, to his horse body, like they were, um, uh, you know, because they were shot in sync and the lighting was always perfect. So it was one of those, it's that same idea of like, how can we make these fantastical creatures as real as possible uh, by really leaning into these elements? So I thought that was really cool. And that's what I was looking at. Do you remember in the Percy Jackson movie where the horse is like prancing, but for some reason he's staying still? Or he has to like walk around. Because the horse's legs are like completely out of sync with the body, the human body. Because they're definitely just taking a video of a horse in a field and they're playing it in a loop Mm -hmm. and have to paste Mm -hmm. it in there. And this, so this made a lot more sense. You can see a little bit, obviously, it doesn't look like real, real in the sense of they had to paint out the horse's head. So there are moments where it looks very like when he's moving around, it looks a little bit video gamey, but like, what is, mm-hmm. what do you expect? It's going to be whatever yeah. the limit is. You can let, you can cast a real, you know, centaur. Mm-hmm. The fact that he had to sit on a horse at every shot though. Apparently wow. he's a good horse rider because they mentioned he had a lot of experience with horses before, which is very lucky because that would be hard to be the first time in your life I was on a horse oh and you have to be on it for like eight hours to ten hours every time you shoot because that's all you like. Except for the wheelchair scenes, he's always on a horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be good. Gotta be a real horse girl for that. Oh, I know. So Chiron um, ends up taking Percy to the Hermes cabin and basically dumping him mm-hmm. there. He's like, we have to figure out who your dad is, but you might not be claimed. You never know. And this is where a lot of other kids get dumped and bye. And like leaves him in a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know when we watched it together, you said when, when they like went into the Hermes cabin, you were like, this is exactly how it looked like in my head. Yes. I think they did a great job with the, the decor and all the random like sleeping bags on the floor and bunk beds and just like a lot of chaos going on within the cabin. No one really giving a shit about Percy being there also. <laughs> I also really liked in the movies, they were pretty like you walk in and it's kind of a Harry Potter moment where they're bigger on the inside side than they are on the outside i liked these were like mm-hmm. huge cabins like they look mm-hmm. really large and you go in and they are large but they become smaller because there's so many kids packed in the army's cabin and it looks like a normal cabin more or less yeah which i really like just like a camp cabin like a really nice camp cabin not like yeah. the shitty little like mattresses that are leaking but like a really nice cabin so this is where we meet Luke. And it's so funny because mm-hmm. Percy is ready to fight on site because he's had a rough <laughs> yeah. day. And instead, he's like trying to explain his like, I don't like all these monsters attack me. No one has ever believed me about it. And like, he's ready to have everyone call him crazy. But instead, everyone is really nice. And they all have gone through this exact experience. And he feels, you can see, like, relief. The first time in his life, someone who's not his mom believes him and is able Mm -hmm. to explain a lot of the things that have been happening to him since he was a kid. So you can see that immediate, like, he basically (laughs) imprints on Luke in that moment. He's like, this is my father now. Yeah, and I think we'll probably talk about this a bit later in some of the later scenes as well. But I think one of the changes they made in the show is that they're having, I mean, this happens in the book, like he meets Luke in the cabin, but in the show, they're having Luke take a bigger role in like being a mentor to Percy and showing him around and being like an immediate, like imp- like Percy immediately imprinting on Luke, which I actually think is a really smart decision because it it takes away like suspicion from Luke. Because I do think like if I were a viewer, I don't know, if I were a viewer who hadn't read the books, I probably wouldn't be suspic- as suspicious of Luke as I would from the books because he's a little sus in the books from the get-go. And there is something that's a bit off about him and Percy clocks it. He just is likes him yeah. so much mm-hmm. that he doesn't mm-hmm. immediately... Mm-hmm. And you don't immediately suspect that anybody to be like that, right? Like to be evil yeah. through and through. And so yeah. in this one, it's a much harder because Luke is gentle the whole time. When 
and they don't have yes. a sword fighting scene, which I mean, we're jumping the gun. Mm-hmm. There's a couple scenes we have to get through before we talk about I it. I know. So <laughs> yeah. We have an extra scene that um, there was one that Arian had mentioned in his press conference. It was one of his favorite yeah. scenes to shoot. And I, we were really surprised because it's not in the book, but it's fun because they're not showing just Percy's point of view. They're also showing things that are happening while Percy's not there, which is including Grover going to council. Yeah, so we get to see him go to the Council of Cloven Elders. We get like a super brief glimpse of what it looks like, which I'm excited to see more of that, honestly, because it looks really cool. I mean, more of that, like, what, in like season three or two, but whatever it comes up. Um, Let me find this clip. Okay, we did in the in the press conference with the costume and set designers, uh, Tish Monahan, the costume designer, had a comment about her favorite costume being on Helena the tree triad, and me and you were like, "Did we? Did we like mass like forget like blank on a character or something?" But no, this is who this was in the in the first in the very second episode in the first season. My favorite costume to design because it was so rewarding was the costume of. Um... Helena, which um, she was a tree dryad because it was so complicated to make. Uh, It was based on an actual tree that the locations department, I guess you, Dan, had a hand in in choosing. And we um, photographed it. We reproduced the bark. We reproduced the moss that was on the ground. We reproduced the look of the tree roots. And we, in combination with special effects makeup, transformed an actress into a tree. Um, And I didn't want her, and like no diss, I didn't want her to be like Groot. I wanted her to be elegant. I wanted her to be completely believable. I wanted her to be of that tree world. I wanted it to be a complete revelation when you first see her move that, oh my God, you know, that's that's a woman. Yeah, so I thought that was really fascinating to hear how much thought went into a character that I don't know if we're going to see her later, but a character that has maybe like a few seconds of screen time. Yeah. And she looks phenomenal. Like I didn't, like she fully looks like she comes out of that tree with that costume. It's exactly how I imagine the dryads, especially because they're mentioned so much more in not more, but a lot in Trials of Apollo. And so when they're talking about mm. them coming out of the trees and how much attached they are to their trees, this is exactly what I thought it meant. So it was really cool to see that visual. I also liked the inclusion of this character because it showed that like Grover also has a community and he has someone who's looking out for him. Like Helena's kind of this parental yeah. character who's checking in on very young Grover. I know in the books we find out he's 28, in human years which is crazy (laughs) but he's like equivalent of a 13 year old um but it was just so much more fun to see him like kind of react like a 13 year old who's like kind of frustrated and trying to deal with the situation feeling like he didn't he still failed because his past haunts him I think Arian did a really good job yeah for sure and then that's how we later learn that that's um how Grover, Grover is finding out, like we get, we see him going to the council um, and then it cuts to a shot of him talking to Mr. D and Chiron and telling them like what he's found out. So we learn that he asked the council about, um, about Sally because he noticed that Sally, you know, she didn't, what does he say? He says he thought that humans would like squish like a banana or something when smashed by the minotaur and he noticed that she like crumbled like a monster um when they disappear and go back to tartarus into the underworld and so he asked the 
um, the council about this. And they told him that this is something that happens when Hades takes humans to the underworld. And he's like all excited to tell Chiron and Mr. D. And they're like, yeah, we know. Don't tell Percy. (laughs) They're like, we don't want him to get sidetracked. Hilarious, because they then use that as a weapon at the end of this episode. But our motivation, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I really liked the montage of camp. It was a little bit more bubbly and it also, again, yes. really fun. So we got Percy waking up and basically Luke is showing him around, explaining things, which is the difference. Annabeth does this in the book because we get a lot more mm-hmm. of Annabeth. Annabeth is there when Percy meets Mr. D and she meet, he sees who Chiron is. Annabeth is just like a shadow in the book following yeah. Percy around because she's convinced. In this, she's a shadow, but she's very much more removed. She's just watching him from afar, which feels more mm-hmm. like an Athena kid, just like strategizing. Yeah. True. Though I do yeah. like the idea that like antisocial Annabeth is just like doesn't understand that they, that's weird. You shouldn't just harass the new kid. Yeah. I know. I kind of miss, I loved in the book, her just like kind of like guiding him around and following him and being annoying. Um, but I do understand why they, they have only so much time and they switch that to Luke. Not that Luke's like following him and being annoying, but they switch like the the person explaining camp to Percy to be Luke to establish more trust. Also, in and that's also Luke being like, you are going to be good at something. Like, we'll find yeah. what you're good at. And then a montage of Percy trying different weapons. <laughs> He's horrible at archery. And it's like, good. It's like a bit of humor added. It also shows mm-hmm. like his strengths. In the book, this is where Percy and Luke have a sword fight. And we find out Percy yes. is very, very skilled with the sword. And that's when you see kind of Luke mm-hmm. shift. And Percy notes it too, that Luke no longer is playing. He actually looks kind of angry and evil for a moment. Yeah. And... It's supposed to be a bit for foreshadowing. I don't think they wanted to plant that quite as soon. So they didn't have Percy yeah. play with the sword. They wanted us to believe he was actually pretty incompetent at everything. Yeah. And to trust, I think like in the book, that's kind of when as a reader you clock that Luke might not be good news. I mean, if you're like reading this when you're the younger you are, the less likely you might be to clock that. But um it kind of feels like they're trying to pull one over on us a little more in the show and have it be more of a shock when yeah. with the betrayal. Um, yeah. So then we get to lunch they, or dinner, I guess, and they mm. sit and eat together and then decide. Uh, Luke basically explains Annabeth and to, about Talia. He doesn't say that she's the daughter of Zeus. He says she's a forbidden child, which we don't know what that really means at that moment yet. That gets mm-hmm. kind of revealed to us later, but then I don't think, unless you know, you're not going to connect the two, that she's the daughter of Zeus. Yeah. But basically giving background on Grover, background on Annabeth, um, who's just kind of a shadow and sitting in the back. Uh, we also see the first, like, instance of them, like, burning offerings to the gods, and they mention, like, you're supposed to give the best part of your meal to the god, and Percy's kind of like, the gods want burnt mac and cheese, like, he's very suspicious of this. Um, but we don't end up seeing Percy actually giving an offering to the gods. It cuts to a shot of him, like, by himself at night, out by the fire, he's burning the blue candy his mom gave them. And he's burning it for his mom. He is not, he does not give a shit about who his godly parent is. He is sacri- burning a sacrifice for his mom. And I love that so much. Oh, Percy. It was so cute. It was so moving. I love that addition. It was, it was a good choice. It was beautiful. And he, oh, the scene, he says something, he's like, oh, normally you would like hate this call. Like I'd always, I'd often call you the first night after being at a new school and like talk to you about how I hadn't made any friends and stuff. And he's like, but this is different. Like, I actually think I've made friends. And that is so heartbreaking knowing (laughs) what happens with, because, you know, he, he's clearly viewing one of like that, the main friend that he's made is Luke so far in the show. And he is really excited to have someone who believes him and is like taking him under his wing. And he's excited. He just wants to tell his mom about it. And it makes me so sad. (laughs) Um, Our next scene, a big scene that we want to talk about is the bathroom scene, because, you know, King of yes. the Toilets. 
Supreme Lord Supreme of the Tories. Lord I'm so sorry. Of the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> um, Clarice is already kind of picking on him, knocks into Percy. Yeah. We get an introduction of her just being really annoyed that a first year is able to kill a Minotaur. Mm-hmm. And Luke's explanation of it is like, that's just an Aries daughter. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. Like, that's just how they are. Yeah. But Clarice is very much targeting Percy. And so um, the biggest change that we see is that this is where we meet Annabeth. After Percy is almost dunked, his head is almost dunked in the toilet, and then he has the toilet react, we see Annabeth having watched the whole thing and is like, cool, Mm -hmm. this confirms what I thought, and then disappears into the night. Yeah. Like, no really introduction. Like, he's like, weren't you, like, creeping on me when I was half awake? And she's just like, yes. (laughs) No explanation. Like, he's very, he's clearly very, like, put off by her. He's like, why are you, why are you following me? I don't understand. And she's just like, she clearly knows, has an idea of who his godly parent is. But he's very oblivious to that. He honestly doesn't really care. He just wants to... He only really wants to be claimed to be able to see, like, can he get his mom back or to, like, get justice for his mom. That seems yeah. to be his motivation right now. He doesn't really have any interest in who his father or getting to know his father. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did realize I jumped the gun and I thought that Percy and Luke talked about Annabeth mm. in the background earlier. But this is after he sees Annabeth again. And yeah. he's like, who the hell was that? And Luke gives yeah. them, uh, like, the story and... That's yeah. when we learn about the pronunciation of Talia. They're going the they're going with Thalia. The Thalia truthers have won, <laughs> which is not us. Not us. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. And this is also Luke like refers to Annabeth as like his little sister here too. Which I think is important. And he's like, I'm always when they're talking about capture the flag, like they're starting to plan. Percy's like Whose team are you on? And he's like, I'm always on her team. Like, he's always on her side. And that's an interesting... It's interesting. He also has a lot of respect for her. He's like, I'll do whatever Mm -hmm. she says. Like, she has not lost so far. She's not going to lose again. Like, we just follow her lead. And no questions asked. And even he says that to his fellow campers, too. And they're like, what are we doing? And he's like, we're following Annabeth's orders. Like, she has a plan. And they all seem to go with it. Yeah. I also adore, I think it's absolutely fantastic, like with Leah's Annabeth, because she is so tiny. And I love that she's like this tiny girl, and they're all like, we follow her orders. And Percy's like, who is this girl? Like, <laughs> why are we all listening to her? She keeps stalking me. <laughs> and she's like two feet tall. I know. I love it. I feel so seen. I love it so much. Same. Same. <laughs> Capture the Flag was fun. I really liked it. Oh, so good. I think this was when I was like really, I got really excited um, in this scene. I was like, oh, they're really, they're really doing it like true to the book and doing such a good job. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's very true to the book and like they're all in their teams. Annabeth and Luke are strategizing and split up and Annabeth is like, Percy, you're with me. And Percy like follows after her and also trips. (laughs) Which is great. I also loved the intensity. Percy's like, it's captured the flag. Um, which is hilarious because he's been to public school. He's been to private school. He understands that kids don't mess around with capture the flag. And the moment he sees how intense the other team is, they're screaming. They're like holding their weapons. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll need a shield. Like, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I need a lot of weapons. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. He's clunky, he's clumsy when he walks around. I really liked how they showed that. Like, he's clearly not in his element. He's not immediately amazing at Capture the Flag, which kind of the mm-hmm. book a little bit is since we knew he was great already at uh-huh. sword fighting. We kind of think yeah. when Annabeth puts her hat on and disappears and leaves him behind, we're like, he's screwed. Like, he is not yeah. going to make it. And it really seems to be that way because she leaves him. She just leaves him. I mean, in the book, it's more like he's left to stand guard. And I think that's what we're assuming uh, in the show. But and then there's like a really funny montage of him like dancing and peeing and like playing with like a chameleon thingy. (laughs) It's just like it's so ADHD and Percy and it's lovely. I love I enjoyed that part. 
I, yeah, because they're like, oh, we're going to get Percy. And he's like, what could he possibly do? Who could his father be? And he's just an idiot. But unfortunately like for Percy. Dancing around. I know. And he's doing things that are, that's a, like he's flossing and stuff like that. It's such but, a 12-year-old thing to do. Yeah. Like, they love the flossing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Aries kids end up finding him while he's busy with his back turned. And so they... They do kind of follow the book in the sense where they beat the shit out of him. But he is able to hold his own, yeah. surprisingly. Like, he he gets he runs away. They chase after him. They get to the beach. He's cut and he's bleeding. He's not doing very well. Um, but he he this is where we see that he's actually not completely useless. Like, he's able to... Yeah. And he surprises Clarice, too, with his sword abilities. He's able to destroy her spear, which she is very upset yeah. about. On she did a fantastic job, the actress, like when he destroyed the spear, the roar of like anger in her face was so good as she's like trying to strangle him. And I think too, like the fact that he's near the water makes it more believable that like suddenly he's a lot better at fighting. Um, in the books, they shove him into the creek and that's where yeah. he like is able to take them out. In this one, he doesn't get into the creek until Annabeth tells him to. <laughs> she pushes him. She doesn't yeah, tell him she to. she doesn't tell him. <laughs> Basically, we do the same thing as the books where Percy finds out that Annabeth had been planning this all along and that he was the mm -hmm. bait so that Luke can go grab the mm -hmm. flag. And she's yep. so mad at her because he's cut and bleeding. And then Annabeth pushes him into the water because she obviously has the brain cell. She knows whose father yeah. is after the toilet. And she has a whole other. I mean, it's fascinating because it reminds me that Annabeth, like not only was her agenda winning capture the flag, she had an additional personal agenda of getting to find out who Percy's godly parent is so that she can go on a quest. Like the girl is playing like 5D chess over here. She's like. <laughs> incredible <laughs> it's hilarious because percy has gone to luke to help him find his father whereas like if he had just gone immediately to annabeth she would have done it in half an hour yeah she would have been like okay like she would have just thrown him in like each of the elements mm -hmm. like oh you don't you don't withstand fire okay <laughs> you're not hephaestus <laughs> oh man all right, so we get he gets claimed. Then he's he gets thrown into the water. His cuts start to heal, and then a giant uh, trident appears above his head, like a little Sims plumb bob. There is um, a bit of conversation. A lot of people were like surprised by the size of the the trident. I yeah. think people were expecting a small, more like Sims plumb bob, or just like hovering over his mm -hmm. head, really tiny. But I think the whole point is the entire camp needs to see that he's been yeah. claimed. And so it needs to be huge. It's yeah. huge. It's so large. It's a giant arrow pointing at him being like, yeah. <laughs> my son, target. Yeah. yeah, honestly, thinking about it, I always imagined it's small. But now I'm like, if it was small, no one would, they'd all be like, what is it? Craning their heads over each other. Like, I can't see what it is. So it makes sense that they need people to actually be able to see it. And now you have to remind me because it's been a moment and I've only seen it the one time. Does Percy moves into the Poseidon cabin, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a very brief, there's brief uh, scene of him walking into the Poseidon cabin, moving his stuff there. He's, as we know, the only kid that lives there now. Um, and then it cuts to after that, him talking to Mr. D and Chiron after being claimed and them filling him in on everything going on with the the lightning bolt and how um, he's a forbidden child, how he's basically being framed for having stolen the lightning bolt since uh, Zeus suspects Poseidon and there's like family drama going on there and they also fill him in on the fact that um Chiron and Mr. D's theory is that Hades has it because he's trying to like sew up division among his brothers and so he basically gets the quest to go to the underworld here and Percy's like not super happy about it like he's like I don't really care and uh Grover ends up running in and telling him about his mom being alive, potentially. 
which is interesting because in the books, like it's never really confirmed that his mom was taken by Hades. Instead, in the books, Percy is just fully going off of the assumption that he can waltz into the underworld and take his mother back. Yes, that's the only reason he go. <laughs> that's the only reason he goes on the quest, and the entire quest is Grover kind of suspecting that Percy's going to do this, and mm-hmm. but not confronting him. So he's just like dancing in circles trying to be like hey you can't do that by the way like you have to focus on the quest and Percy's like yeah 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 yeah, of course and secretly he's like the only reason I'm doing this is for my mom whereas they kind Mm -hmm. of use this instead as leverage for him to go on the quest Mm because he wants nothing to do with Poseidon they're like you are Poseidon's son and the great line he's like I am Sally Jackson's son like he has no idea he does not care about Poseidon good I loved that line. I was like, I was like, yes, you are. Go, (laughs) Percy. You are Sally's son. Who cares about Poseidon? I adored that. But yeah, you're right. They do use it as leverage, even though they're like, no, you need to go get the bolt, not your mom. But it's clearly what is getting Percy to to agree to go on this quest in the first place. Yeah. I liked it. I think it's an interesting take and I'm excited. I mean, you've seen it already, but you won't say anything yet, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see him talk to the Oracle and hopefully that happens Mm -hmm. and basically see how Annabeth inserts herself in this quest because I hope it's as obnoxiously as she does in the original because it's just, she's a lot more cool girl so far in this show. And I think definitely, yeah. It'll be more fun if they add a little bit of the obnoxiousness. But I think I also mm-hmm. like like the idea of like them building this tension. Percy is like, who are you? Yeah, a little like, bit. Why do you think you're so cool? <laughs> and we know that she doesn't really. She's just like really awkward. <laughs> I mean, she does have hubris, actually. So yeah. that is her fatal flaw. I'm, ex- yeah, I'm ready to watch the rest of them. Um I think we did a good job of, like, going over everything that was different that we thought. Mm-hmm. But um, I I did like the, the insertion of Luke more. Me too. I it's think it's hurt. a good move because I think it's a little – it's going to make it hurt more. And I'm ready for it. Yeah. And it's a little less obvious than in the books of who the bad guy is. Cool. Okay. Well – Shall we move along to our, should we do our lightning bolt questions? Yes, let's do it. For our rewind question this time, it is also from episode three. I think our one last time was from episode three as well. Um, So this question is, what stupid thing would you be the supreme lord of? So what's your answer now? Well, my first thought is like the supreme lord of being a little bitch, but that's not the correct. <laughs> that's not right. Um, supreme lord of. Oh God, I don't know. I don't have. I, I'm in the. I'm in the. Um, I've just graduated grad school, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life vibe. So I'm like, do I have mm-hmm. any talents? I think like. I mean, if Percy's is a bathroom, my interpretation would be like, it's like something stupid, like something in your household that you're the lord of, you know? The lord is like something you're good at. Yeah. (laughs) I love like a little cushion. Yeah. I don't like sitting on things. Okay, I'll do, I'll do. Or I think I'm the supreme lord of being barefoot. I will not wear socks. I will not wear shoes. I. And a wild child in that way it is bad because my feet are always cold and I don't notice it anymore. Mm. And also, like, you know, I've stepped on glass before. It's not great. I should probably wear shoes, but I don't wear shoes in my house. And then I don't like wearing shoes too much outside. I will because yeah. it's kind of gross to be, you yeah. know, having my dogs out for the world to see in the winter. Traipsing. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not for free. Am I right? No, nope. no. Nope. Yeah, charge for that. <laughs> I was thinking, because I, I feel like in within my my home, there are a few areas that I feel like I'm the lord of. I love organizing my bookshelf, but that's not dumb enough. The one that I thought of, the I feel like the two areas of my home that I'm like clean about, Mike is clean about all the rest, is like my bookshelf. And I've been really into 
I'm really obsessive about filling the dog water bowl, but I think I want to be the supreme lord of my specific dog water bowl because I went to, I made it a couple months ago at Paint the Town with a friend, Aww. and I drew like a little like Maggie and Wally, and I drew Peanut on there too, and it's so pretty, and it has made me even more like, I'm like, the water must always be full, they must be hydrated. <laughs> it's really cute. When you so come over, you'll see it. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll show, show you. This I'll give you a tour. Supreme tour of the water bowl. <laughs> yeah. Supreme lord of the water bowl. <laughs> okay, let's hear what we said three oh, years ago. Eons ago. My last question is, what stupid thing would you be the supreme lord of? <laughs> How Percy is supreme lord of the bathroom. What are you supreme lord of? <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. Same. I honestly haven't thought of my answer to this. <laughs> it's, it's a quite a deep question. Like, Lord Supreme Lord of? Yeah, but it has to be a stupid thing. Like, yeah. like the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> my first thought is I'd be, like, of the bookshelf. No, that's fair. Because I'm really... I spent, like, three hours organizing my bookshelf when I moved into this place. But that's not, like, that stupid. Like, stupidly, I like to fold laundry. Like, maybe I'd be the supreme lord of laundry. Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> I can see that for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. I hate folding laundry. I just, like, it's, like, the worst thing. I can do all the other parts of laundry. I love it. I just hate well, folding it. I don't fold it per se. I like sorting it. I don't fold my clothes nicely. Like, if you want to, like, I didn't get stupid to fold my dirty, like, not dirty, my, like, sleep t-shirts. I'm like, I'm not gonna fold these. I just crinkle them up and sleep in them. But I I so, could be the supreme lord of sorting laundry. So are you just your sleep shirts just in balls in your drawer? No, no, they're not, like, in, they're, they're, they're folded, but they're not, like, nice folded, okay, you know? Okay, yeah. They're like, yeah. Hmm. I think I'd be like a supreme lord of nail polish. I'm stupidly Ooh. good at putting nail polish on myself and others. And I love it. That's fun. I like putting That's nail polish on other people. Yeah. I'm very good at it and I enjoy it. And I don't like going and getting my nails done because I don't like strangers touching me. But like mm -hmm. I will do mm – -hmm. I'll put nail polish for other people and I'll do the whole thing of like nail – like lotion and like push their cuticles back and everything. But Ooh, like – Ooh, look at that. Yeah. I have to have you do my nails. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you've done my nails. I've never done – I'm looking at my unpainted <laughs> broken nails right now. Like <laughs> – also, like, what the fuck? I mean, I don't... What was I talking about about laundry? I have, like, three piles in the other room right now. Are they sorted, though? No. <laughs> I mean, I that is my chore, is the laundry. That is my chore in this house. My one chore. Laundry and putting the dishes away. So maybe I just felt ownership of that chore, but uh, I don't enjoy it anymore. That, that ship sailed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am good at putting people's nail polish on, but I also yeah. kind of feel like that's a trap that I was told that I was like really mm. good at it, so I should do it, and that's how everyone got me to do mm. their nails. <laughs> oh. Well, we went from nail polish to sitting Lovely. on the floor. And for you, it's yeah, I love that. <laughs> from laundry, laundry to the water to the bowl. bowl. <laughs> wow, wow, what a journey we've been mm. on here. Three years has changed us so much. I know. So much. <laughs> okay, so my question based on the show is that if you were to show up on the set, uh, the Camp Half-Blood set, where would you want to go first? Where would you want to explore? I would want to go to the Athena cabin, immediately go inside. Ooh, I want to see yeah. how they, because we haven't seen it yet, so I really want to see how yeah. they decorated it. I want to go to all the cabins, but that would be the first mm -hmm. one I go and see. Yeah. I honestly was thinking I would go to like the water not that the I mean it's a set not that the Nyreeds would actually be there mm -hmm. but I would love to like go sit on the dock there near the water like by the Poseidon cabin and just like pretend that I'm Percy for a moment or something like that just like pretend you actually went to this camp and like lived out your yeah. 12 year old fantasies exactly all right, so Percy tries a couple activities to figure out if he has, like, a niche that he can settle into. Which of the activities? So he does archery, he does some smelting, 
Um, what else does he do? I don't know. <laughs> Those are the two memorable scenes to me. Yeah. I mean, what else is at camp? We know there's like the lava wall, but <laughs> yeah. we have not seen that yet. Um, I don't we'll know. Throw sword fighting or smelting well. or sword fighting. Yeah, yeah. We'll put it in there as well. Which of those three do you think you would be best at? Best is not the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah. I would not be smelting. That's scary. I probably archery out of those three. I think like sword fighting. I would prefer though, but I I don't think I'd be naturally like good at it. I don't think I'd be naturally good at, at archery either, but I think I'd have a have a chance. Yeah. I think I would like smelting a lot, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I I'd would have hate the it. Sounds... body strength to like actually keep mm. using the hammer and stuff, but I think you'd be really mm-hmm. cool. Good for you. Child Thank of Hephaestus you. over here. Yeah. I don't know how mm. I, in real life I would react to the heat, though. I'd be scared to touch the fire, mm. but I think I'd get used to yeah. it after a minute or two. I just have... You know, I need yeah. to, like, a dog needs to, like, become acclimated to scents. I need to be acclimated yeah. to heat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all we got for this episode. So next week, we'll be able to release this. The episode comes out on, on a Wednesday, the 27th, I think. Um, so we'll be we should be able to release this Wednesday or Thursday for episode three. So next time we'll just be talking about episode three, which I've already seen. Manasa has to has to sit down and watch it, but it is I'm excited to talk about that one with you all. Get excited. Also, if you want to join our Patreon, the link is in the episode description as well to send the audio message. If you join our Patreon, you get to read our old outlines from the original (laughs) first couple episodes. Um, They're quite unhinged. We have little notes to ourselves and um, we ramble quite a bit. It's also great if you want to be able to have spark notes of the chapters. We write a summary of all chapters. So. So unhinged yeah. spark note just for you. Yeah. Lovely. What a gift. All right. And yeah, don't forget to send audio messages. Oh, social media at Camp Half Pod and email is camphalfpod at gmail.com. If you haven't already and made it to episode 123, please rate and review. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. See you next time. <laughs>